Welcome to the Soft Verbal Podcast presented by Dead Soxie. Hosted by RebelGrove.com publisher Neil McCready and featuring Zach Barry of Red Cup Rebellion, the Soft Verbal Podcast is your number one podcast dedicated to Ole Miss football and basketball recruiting. Featuring guests from throughout the Rivals.com network, the Soft Verbal Podcast tells you what is happening and what's going to happen on the recruiting trail. And it does it in style, just like Dead Soxie. Visit DeadSoxie.com and enter promo code RebelGrove at checkout for 30% off your order of the best dress socks you'll ever wear. Now... Here's your host, Neil McCready. Welcome into a National Signing Day wrap-up edition of the Soft Verbal Podcast presented by Dead Soxie. I'm your host, Neil McCready. Zach Barry with me as well. Be a pretty short little podcast today. Zach came on the Hand Raise Guys last night, which you can hear as the Thursday Oxford Exxon podcast. Zach spent some time with us last night, so we're not going to rehash all of that. We'll, uh, we'll get into a little bit of hits and misses. We'll talk about what's left potentially in this class, and then we'll take a quick look ahead in general at what's necessary for 2021 for Ole Miss football recruiting. First, I want to tell you that Dead Soxie, just like you, loves new recruits, and they know once you join the Dead Soxie team, it's over for all the other brands out there. That's why they are giving you an incredible opportunity to make the switch to a better sock life. For Valentine's Day, they're offering three select red-style socks at the incredibly low price of $5. There are no excuses for not giving them a try. Additionally, for those of you looking to add to your sock wardrobe, Dead Soxy is offering three different style mystery boxes of 10 pairs for just $60 each. The Rebel Grove promo will not apply to these special offers, but can still be redeemed on all other purchases made on the site for 30% off. With their patented technology to prevent that dreaded slippage, it's time you joined the winning team with Dead Soxy. It's time to ask yourself, are you Soxy? I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford Studios. Clark Ford is in Amory, Mississippi, 662-257-1900. The number, call it. Ask for Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for. He'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. Once you get that quote, the rest is up to you. You can shop it around or you can do what I've done, and that's let Corey and the people at Clark Ford take care of you. Corey wants to be your car guy. He wants to be your truck guy. He will prove that to you once you make the call, 662-257-1900. Zach, good morning. Happy uh, start of the 2021 recruiting season. Uh, I say we start breaking down the top 600 prospects. We'll start with prospect 600. His name is Isaiah Johnson. He's a linebacker in Topeka, Kansas at Topeka East. What do you, when you kind of think about Isaiah, give me a, I don't know, about a 10 minute breakdown of him, if you would, please. Well, obviously, Neil, the, the first thing when you said Kansas, I, the first thing I think of are the Kansas City Chiefs. So, um, <laughs> Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs, but yep. you know, I, but yeah, I'm doing doing well. Uh, post uh, National Signing Day, moving on to to class of 2021. Um, we talked about it last night on hand raise guys. We've talked about it all week, all last week. This is the litmus test for Lane Kiffin and his staff. This was, you know, somewhat of a pass transition class freebie, whatever you want to call it. Uh, they have a full staff now. They're going to have a full year. They're going to have. Uh, 
results on field that they can point to. This is this is where uh, the rubber meets the road, as they say. No, you're exactly right. We'll get to that in a minute because I think that's going to be the bulk of our conversation. Let's real quick uh, hits and misses. Where do you think this this class? As it stands today, and I know we'll talk in a minute about the four guys or potentially more who are still out there, uh, this class where it stands today, where did they do well? Where are they lacking? Well, the obvious uh, glaring hole is is defensive line. Uh, they would have loved to have kept Josiah Hayes. They would have uh, really liked to have gotten McKinley Jackson. Um DeSanto Rollins is a is a big big guy. Um, I think he's going to need a redshirt year, but there's a body there nonetheless that they liked from the previous staff and kept. Um, I, I think that the running back room obviously got better with Henry Parrish and Kentrell Bullock. I think both of those guys uh, could play early, uh, or I should say, as early as this season. Um, I, I don't not not necessarily getting a a ton of carries, but just in spots, I think Kiffin likes both of them and their skill set. Um, outside of that, I mean, I think the, um, I guess kind of my, my, my two sleepers in this class, uh, I really like Demarcus Thomas, the tight end at Alabama. And I really like uh, J Brown. He's only played one year of linebacker and, uh, all he did was, uh, finish on the six, a all state team in Mississippi. So I think both of those dudes have, Really impressive frames. They're really athletic, and uh, they're already pretty solidly built uh, for SEC play. Uh, I, I, the tight end position is obviously one of concern for this offense, um, as evident they went out and got Kenny Yabua, but I like Demarcus Thomas a lot. Yeah, I like Thomas too. I, I, I agree with you completely. I like Bullock. I like Thomas. Um, I think Parrish is going to surprise people. I think because of so much attention on Zachary Evans, people overlook Henry Parrish a little bit. I won't be surprised if Parrish is quite impactful early. Um, you know, I won't be surprised if down the road Henry Melton's a contributor on the offensive line. I'll be curious to see how Luke Schaus comes along from the labrum issue i expected that he would gray shirt and then they signed him yesterday that was a surprise for me yesterday um you know brady ward's not listed but he's a kid that committed he, he'll gray shirt in the fall and and go on scholarship in january at least that's the plan so there there's uh you know there's a lot there there's a there and then there's a lot that uh there's a lot that's missing so before we get into the 2021 guys, let's let's talk about the guys that are left. Uh, Zachary Evans, as of this moment, is not signed. Um, a lot of crystal balls, a lot of future cast, whatever service you want to reference, uh, are coming in for Ole Miss. I don't know necessarily what that is based on other than just kind of some buzz that's out there. Mark Britt apparently is going to wait until February, the not February, yeah, February the 20th, to uh to announce which is two weeks from today which strikes me as an odd date but um i'll have a hard time believing that schools are uh are waiting that long for him i don't know i have this suspicion that maybe he's already signed somewhere and people are just going to hold it for a couple of weeks um we're waiting on henry manual i think that's going to be Leonard Manuel, I should say, sometime in, in probably April is is likely before he knows whether or not he can qualify, at which point I would think Ole Miss will absolutely have room for him. 
And then uh, the kind of odd, maybe even sad saga of DeTravian Brown yesterday who claimed to sign with Ole Miss but didn't have papers from Ole Miss to sign. So that was probably probably an embarrassing day for him. I, I haven't even looked to see Zach if there's an update on, on anything that he's done today. As of late yesterday, he had just sort of let it go away. Any any thoughts on, on those guys before we kind of move ahead? Well, I think the the three big ones are definite takes. They're they're absolutely going to add them to the 2020 class if they want to join. Zach Evans being the heavy hitter, the big splash that Lane Kiffin and the staff wants, um, and for good reason. Uh, all all sideshow and distractions and everything aside, he is a super talent. Um, but Leonard Manuel, I think, becomes a big focus because they lost Malachi Weidman. Um, Ole Miss had all the momentum the entire week, and early, early Wednesday morning, things flipped immediately to Tennessee. Amazing how that and happens. It really is. It's it, just, you know, yeah. it's uh, it's amazing how that flips. Well, the balls are back, Neil. So you've you got to be a they, part of that. They had a heck of a class. Yeah. I, I'm not sure. I don't think Georgia State's on the schedule next year. Let's hope not because then they wouldn't be back. But, um, but yeah, so once that went sideways, I think – focus immediately shifted to trying to solidify Mark Britt and Leonard Manuel because Britt can play some receiver, um, but they would love to have him in this class regardless whether it's defensive back or receiver. Uh, but Manuel, you know, kind of cut from that same cloth that, that Malachi Weidman's from. Big 6'4", six, 6'5", six, receiver, uh, really physical, can really get up and, and, and grab the football out of the air. So they'll wait on him, whether that's next week, whether it's March or it's April, whatever it takes for him to, to get academically eligible, they're definitely going to take him. Uh, the Detravian Brown thing was odd. I think it, even in an interview, he told uh, – I can't remember where I saw the interview, but he told the reporter that uh, Ole Miss told him they were full at receiver and that he was moving on. And I think he has offers from the likes of like Houston, North Texas – uh, he's got, you know, I, I think that that was kind of where he was focusing, uh, UT San Antonio as well. I think that's where most people thought he was going. And then, you know, I'm leaving Starbucks yesterday and I get home and I open my phone and there's somebody sent a tweet of him wearing an Ole Miss hat and <laughs> signing papers. So, I, yeah, kind of a weird thing there. I guess that's a weird flex for him. But uh, hopefully he finds himself a landing spot and can uh, go to college for free and play uh, play some football. Yeah, you hope the best for the kid. I, I I don't know enough about his situation. I just was perusing Twitter to see if there's anything new, and there's absolutely nothing. So probably a, probably kind of an embarrassing day for him, I'm, I'm guessing. And you always hope it works out best. They're kids. You see this stuff happen. You see this stuff with uh, Zach Evans. You realize that, yeah, there's a lot of publicity and all that stuff, but at the end of the day, they are kids, and sometimes these are – these are overwhelming decisions. I know Zach Evans put a Instagram thing out yesterday that said tomorrow. As of last night, people close to him, close to that saga, don't believe anything is happening today, which was yesterday's tomorrow. Um, I don't know if you ever heard, but tomorrow's always a day away, Zach. Always. But That is true. Can't confirm. But today is yesterday's tomorrow, so... I don't think anything's happening on this tomorrow. In fact, I don't now look, I could be wrong and he could do it today and if he does, yay, we're done with talking about it. I don't get the impression anything is remotely close. The the deadline that I heard 
from some of the people close to him that they're giving him is the middle of March. That hey, you, you've got to do this by the middle of March. You you can't you can't drag this out any further. It, it it's got to be done by then. I know the people around him are frustrated with him. I know that uh, the people that are encouraging him, quite frankly, are at this point encouraging him to pick a college home to get started. They know he needs structure. They know he needs to get into a program. I think the people close to him wished, whether it was Georgia or Tennessee or Ole Miss or whatever, Texas A&M, I think they wished that he had uh, enrolled in January and gotten started in a college program. He desperately needs that level of structure. I don't know that he has hit that place where he's where he's agreed to that opinion that he needs to get started uh, he he's taken a lot of time off there's there's going to be some catching up physically for him he's he's not helping himself any but if you made me guess and i wrote this last night i would guess that he ends up at Ole miss i just don't think that announcement is is imminent at all and i will be thrilled to be wrong so that i don't have to keep talking and writing about him because it's uh, become laborious if I'm being honest as for Mark Britt I just don't know I've had people ask me what do you think let's say it's the 20th and he makes a decision on the 20th what do you think my guess is that if he's truly waiting until the 20th a lot of schools that have a spot open are going to sort of start recruiting him again but it's a dead period so the recruiting has to be uh, telephonic or digital it, it can't be in person you can have no in-person contact at all uh, so I don't know what he'll do. I think if Manuel can qualify, he'll end up at Ole Miss. My understanding is that it is unlikely that he ends up qualified. And then we talked, we touched on Detravian Brown. Uh, Lane Kiffin said yesterday in his press conference, Zach, that, that they'll explore the transfer market. They'll explore the grad transfer market that, you know, this class is probably not done. And my guess is it's not. But let's transition into 2021 because here's what I thought was really fascinating yesterday. Lane Kiffin was obviously asked about, you know, a smaller class. They didn't sign a full complement of scholarship players. And he made the comment repetitively in his 14-minute press conference. They're not going to sign kids just to sign them. They're not going to take plan B and plan C kids. And we see that with Detravian Brown, apparently that he'll sign better classes, he'll sign deeper classes, it's about relationships, and that they've already gotten started with the 2021 guys, they've already had a whole bunch of them on campus in these last three weekends. In case there was not enough riding on the line for the 2021 class, he went ahead and pushed the chips all in yesterday. Yeah, it's it's going to be it, it just pivotal to to how they basically get out of the starting blocks with with how they do. They're going to hit Florida, they're going to hit Texas, and they're going to really go after the Northeast. I think with Chris Partridge, your son will be in the class of twenty thirty nine. I think it's twenty thirty six. Twenty thirty six. Okay. Um, any any quick thoughts on the twenty thirty six class at this point, or do you think? Well, uh, you know, if if Muschamp is still at South Carolina, he's going to be tough to beat. He's a big puncho guy. Okay. <laughs> you know, I, I look at the. Uh, I, I I also go by the uh, by the golden rule that if he gets into Stanford for anything, he's going. Oh yeah, absolutely. 
Stanford shows up at the front door with the scholarship offer. Recruiting is over in our house. Done. It's done. That's, yep. Stanford or Northwestern, it would be over. But, yeah, I mean, I think that with Kevin Smith, they're going to really go after Miami hard. And then I mentioned Partridge in the Northeast. That's going to be something with, you know, they've they've got the connection with Paramus Catholic. They've got the connection with St. Francis Academy. St. John's is up there. Uh, Gonzaga. All those private schools in the DMV area have tons and tons of talent. And Mike Loxley can't get them all at Maryland. So I think that Partridge knows that, and he's going to use those connections. And then, obviously, the – the just plethora of Texas connections on the staff with Randy Clements, Jeff Levy, Blake Gideon, um, everybody just really going to hammer the Lone Star State because, you know, kind of the, you know, I guess the the numbers game there, then they can't all go to Texas. They can't all go to A&M. Um, there's so many, there's just so much talent there. It, it's, it's, it's going to be national. It's going to be far and wide. They're not going to really focus on Mississippi. If I, if you had to make me guess right now, I think Antonio Harmon is probably the only person in the state that they're going to worry about. Um, maybe Isaiah Brevard, the receiver from South Haven. He's another big-bodied guy that they're obviously wanting big receivers. Those are probably the two that I would think that they're going to they're going to worry about. Um, yeah, if you told me the class only had five kids from Mississippi in it, I'd buy it. Yeah, maybe maybe the Perryman twins out of Madison Central. That's really it. Those are the only names that like they're not gonna they're not gonna get hung up like people were asking about Ty Keys the other day. Um, I don't think they're looking at him for quarterback, and I honestly think Keys is probably gonna go to Auburn. Um, but I don't know. But the, that's the thing is like he's not gonna worry about Mississippi made or anything like that. I'll be surprised if the quarterback's not Colton Gauthier. I would be too. I think that I think they were really focused on him. I thought I thought they had him ahead of Altmaier, but that's just my opinion. I don't, nobody told me that. But no, I think I, they had him pretty close. One one A, one B. They they I know they really liked Altmaier. I know that for an absolute fact. I know that they really mm-hmm. like, they really like Gauthier too. And frankly, I think if you had told them going in, they could get one of the two. They just say okay. So uh, they they like them both. And now that Altmaier is at Florida State. That eats up one of the options for uh, for Gauthier. I expect that he will end up at Ole Miss, and I think Ole Miss will take him. And I think he was he was one of the top one. They had I, I firmly believe this. They had a tie at number one for who they wanted, and they they knew they couldn't get them both, and they'd take one. And you knew Altmaier probably wasn't going to end up at Ole Miss because of the Mississippi State stuff, and his dad is the team doctor and stuff. You you knew that probably just wasn't going to happen. Um. The key thing for this class is going to be, in my opinion, defensive linemen, defensive backs. They've got to kind of continue. There's there's a whole bunch of offensive linemen on scholarship right now. They've got to figure out in this next 11 months who can play and who can't. Figure out what the needs are there. But defensive line's critical. Defensive back is absolutely critical. Um. They'll get the quarterback. I think you'll see him try to add an impact running back every year. If they were to get Evans, I think they could actually kind of almost skip a year at running back. They they need to add receivers. Antonio Harmon, I completely agree, is going to be way up at the top of that wish list. I thought by the things that he said, saving scholarships where they can backdate some uh, mid-year enrollees on, last year, on this current class that we're just finishing up, 
and talking about they're not going to take plan Bs, they're not going to take plan Cs. I just thought he sort of dropped the gauntlet on himself. And I think I think the people that, that say, is this going to work? Is, is, is the, I think we're going to know the answer to this in December. I think it was good, though. He was honest with himself. I think that I think he was uh, – people were making a, a lot about his appearance yesterday and how he just kind of looked a little disheveled. And, you know, we were talking about it before the show about the, the trucker hat and the shirt untucked. But, I, I mean, I think he looked like he was defeated. I think he looked disappointed. Uh, I think they were in really good position Tuesday afternoon, Tuesday night, uh, to really close strong with a top 35, maybe a top 30 class. And look, they still might with with some of these names that are left out there, but you wanted it on the national stage. You wanted it, you know, you want to go on to ESPN. You want to go on to SEC Network and talk to people and and, kind of stick your chest out and talk about the four-star receiver you took from Florida State. And, um, you know, the – the guy that you flipped from Florida and, you know, all that, the five-star running back from Texas that everybody raves about. Uh, you wanted to have that opportunity. Now, they might still have it, and look, it doesn't really matter where the class ends up as long as you get the players and you put them on the field and you and you win ball games. But I think he was, he was disappointed, and I think that he was upset, and I think that that was visible. And, yeah, like you said, he has basically given himself an ultimatum of sorts that 2021 is is got to happen and i think that's 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 good and it's honestly the truth because they're gonna have to reload really really quick um yeah like you said defensive line is is a huge huge concern and then you've i mean i've always told people defensive line and defensive back is where you have to you have to hit those two every single class or you're not going to win you're not going to win big games i I, as we start to wrap up i got hit last night a lot with Hey, what has to happen next season on the field? How many games do they have to win? And my response was, and I'm curious to see if you agree, I don't think it's there, I don't think there's a number on that. I mean, obviously, you don't need to go four and eight again. You need to show progress. You need to win some games. I think it's about at the end as the season progresses, a sense around that program that's been lacking, frankly. It's been kind of manufactured at times. But it hasn't been genuine that this is a program that's on the upswing, that there's forward progress being made, and that there's a sense in the building that a eight, 17-year-old kid can kind of feel when he steps in there that this is a program that is moving in the right direction. It's the credit that I will, for all the criticism that I levy on, on Hugh Freeze for the way it ended, I'll never stop giving him praise for the way that he got it started. In 2012, that team went 7-6. and six. They won the Birmingham Bowl. They recruited at a really high level. But they did it because there was a sense inside and outside that program that they were making progress, that they weren't winning all the games, but they were scaring people. They were, they were competitive. They had momentum. And there was a feeling inside that building that I think was palpable to the Laquan Treadwells and Robert Kimdichis and Antonio Connors of the world that this was a program that was headed in, in the right direction and that getting on board was the, – the prospect of getting on board was exciting. And I think that is the feeling that Lane Kiffin and his staff, they have to sort of uh, replicate. They've got to get that going here pretty quick. And it's it can't be fake. It's got to be real. And I think if that happens, uh, my prediction of a top-ten class is, is going to come true. And if it doesn't and they end up – 
striking out on a lot of their big targets and they continue with the philosophy of basically no plan B, um, they'll be in a world of hurt. I agree with that. I don't think there's an actual number you can point to for how many wins you need next season. Um, I, I was talking to someone, and, and look, I mean, there's there's momentum with, with winning. Um, but like you said, it's all about the relationship and the connection and the hype that you can build around your program. But I told someone yesterday, I think if they can win six games, um, I think they've got a real shot at just having natural momentum to, to get to a top 15 class. I think that the connections that this staff has already made, I mean, you can look at our board and see the 2021. We've had to make two different threads with all the offers they're throwing out to some of these players. I think Kevin Smith, Chris Partridge, and, um, you know, somebody like Blake Gideon are going to be huge, just in, integral cogs to this class. And they're going to, they, they've been hammering away. And I think that, you know, Florida, Texas, and the Northeast, those are going to be the big, heavy hitters for this class. I, I don't, I'm, I'm interested to see how far west it goes with Kiffin being, you know, coaching at Southern Cal and being from, uh, you know, California. I'm interested to see if they try to dip out there, but, um, but yeah, they just, they just got to get buy in. All, all it takes is just, you know, one or two guys. You know, you get that Colton Gauthier, um, if they end up getting Zachary Evans. Uh, you get Leonard Manuel as you head into spring practice. I mean, you get these big-time guys, and you get them into your class, you get them into your program. That's where the, the trickle-down, the domino effect of getting other elite prospects, just like Ole Miss did in 2013, where it was like, hey, if this guy's going, like, I, I want to see what this is about. I want to ch- I want to check this out and see – See if uh, see if we can maybe do this thing. I mean, you saw Cade Renfro tweeted yesterday. You know who's going to come and leave their legacy type thing. I mean, that's that's a challenge. And and if you're an elite prospect, more times than not, you think you're better than the next guy. And uh, some of them, you know, a little bit different. And maybe they want to go do something else. Yeah, he's going to be able to sell uh, opportunity. He's going to be able to sell early playing time. He's he's going to have a lot of. Uh, a lot of weapons in his arsenal from a from a recruiting standpoint. There's no doubt about that, and um, it's it's. I think it's going to be one of those interesting seasons on and off the field that we've covered in a long time. It's a program that if Chase and I were talking about this last night, it's a program that has had no real momentum, no real tangible momentum since January the first of 2016. Yeah, since yeah, since Laramie Tunsil ran into the end zone, it's pretty much been nothing since then. It kind of peaked at that moment, and it's been a, a crash since then. And there is some momentum. I think yesterday, so many people were so disappointed, and I get it. It also just is, it's kind of a reminder of of the fan base is fragile right now. They were so excited about Lane Kiffin, and no matter how many people tried to say, "Hey, look, it's a transition class. These things don't typically go all that well." People got excited. They got in on a bunch of guys that uh, they had not been in on, um, and and people got excited, and I understand that. Yesterday was probably a reminder that this is not, in all likelihood, going to be some meteoric rise. This has got to be incremental, and it's it's going to be gradual. It's going to take some time, but the, the, the big opportunity is the 2021 class. It was not the 20 class. It was always going to be the 2021 class. It was, uh, you knew that when you made the decision to fire Matt Luke, no matter who you hired, you knew from a recruiting standpoint, 
you might actually take a slight step backwards in recruiting. That's, that's what happens with transition classes. And people say, well, it didn't happen at Florida State. People say it didn't happen at Arkansas. And there's some truth to that. And at, at those places, you got to give credit to Mike Norvell, who I think is a star in, in the coaching business. And I think you got to give some credit to Sam Pittman for how hard they worked. And it's why I wrote the column that I wrote yesterday. If there was a message that got, and I'm not saying Lane Kiffin's not working hard at all. At all. But I am saying I do believe to win at Ole Miss at the level that they're talking about winning, you have to work so much harder than you have to work at places like Alabama and USC and maybe even Tennessee to get it done. This is a, for all of the talk about Ole Miss being a preppy school and Ole Miss being you know, whatever, the the Grove and the chandeliers and stuff in the Grove and all that crap. I get it. But that football job, Zach, and I've covered it now. This is my 13th season that I'm getting ready to embark on. That football job, the people who have won, when they have won, their sleeves have been rolled up and they have been working their asses off. Period. And when they didn't work hard, and I can point to examples of Houston Nutt I can point to examples of of Hugh Freeze, not really Matt Luke. I always thought those guys worked hard. I just never thought they. I just I never thought they had true legitimacy in the way that they were viewed by the fans, and I, I never felt they had any real traction. It wasn't their fault necessarily. I just didn't. I never thought they did. I never thought it was from a lack of effort. But with there were times with Freeze and there were times with Nut that I didn't think the effort was there, and when the effort wasn't there, they got smoked on the recruiting trail, devastated on the recruiting trail. And if if there was a wake-up call to Lane Kiffin and that staff, it was, okay, you know, when March 1 rolls around, it's a it's an absolute sprint for the better part of nine months to get it done. And, and you have to build these relationships. You have to build them stronger. You have to build them deeper. You have to make them more multifaceted. This is a, this is a hard job. You can win big at Ole Miss. People have done it, but no one's been able to do it consistently. And I think to do it consistently, you've, you've got to have a lot of stamina and a lot of energy, and you've got to, you've got to absolutely pour yourself into it at, at every possible moment. And that, I think that's going to be the challenge uh, and the story of of what does or does not happen in the 2021 class. It's like I was telling people yesterday, my, my son agrees here, you could have always kept the coach you didn't want and finished 66 like Southern Cal. Oh, yeah, absolutely. When, and once you make the decision to make a change, you make a change. And if you take a small step back, you take a small step back. The challenge will be, as, as we wrap up, because I think the little man is like, hey, enough. We've talked enough about 2020, and I agree with him. Um, the challenge is going to be he's got to, uh, got, to make a, got to make a giant step forward in 2021. He acknowledged it yesterday. He knows it. And so now we sort of embark on seeing it happen. So this is the, uh, our last podcast for this class. If something happens with Zach Evans or, uh, Mark Britt or something, we'll, we'll kind of have an, an emergency soft verbal podcast. But for right now, the plan is to take a couple of weeks and, uh, sort of recharge our recruiting batteries and then get back with you sometime late in February and take a more uh, 
specific comprehensive look at at uh, what's to come in 2021 so for zach barry i'm neil mccready that does it for this edition of the soft verbal podcast presented by dead soxy don't forget deadsoxy.com enter the promo code rebel grove at checkout for 30 percent off your order until next time take care